Looking tonight at James chapter 5, verse 7. You might remember this verse from Sunday morning because it was on the screens behind us here. But that's not why we're looking at it tonight, or we would have used it tonight. We're looking at James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Good verse. Be patient, therefore. Probably the first thing we think of when you think of being patient is whether we are patient people or not. Some people come by patience almost naturally, and some people come by impatience almost naturally. Whatever the case might be, the Bible gives us instruction to be patient, therefore. But there's a reference that follows that aspect of patience, because the patience here appears to be referring to unto the coming of the Lord. So we're being patient, anticipating and waiting unto the coming of the Lord. That's the the primary purpose, no doubt, what James had to say here. Be patient. The Lord will come. The Lord has timing in his hand. And, and he can control the, the factors that will, will prevail to that incredible day that we anticipate. But he puts it in context with a, a farmer or a husbandman or one who raises crops when he says, uh, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. This is very true. A farmer waits for the fruit to become ripe and ready to uh, bring the harvest and to uh, field, uh, go to their fields and bring the crops out of the fields. And he goes on to explain the fa- about the farmer and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, for a farmer, that just covered a long period of time in most cases. If you're planting, um, what would you be planting? Corn. Let's plant some sweet corn. I think most people like sweet corn. We'll plant sweet corn and let's say we're in western New York. So we'll plant sweet corn around the first, uh, the end of May to be safe because of frost. So about the end of May. But we want to be wise in our planting of sweet corn because we sell that at our farm. And uh, so we want to have enough sweet corn for a period of time. So what you do is you send your young sons to to school that teaches about farming. Send them to Cornell University down in the middle of the state of New York. And, And they'll learn that you can use different kinds of corn seed that will 
mature at different times so that you can have sweet corn throughout the season longer than just for a couple of weeks. And so what you do is you, you plant it all the same day, pretty much, and you plant it in different parts there, maybe 12 long rows of, of the first growth that you want, and another 12 rows of the next type of corn, and maybe another 12 rows, so that it all comes due at different times. And it's good when it comes due, but you've got to wait. You've got to wait. Farmers wait. We wait for this to do what it does. We cultivate the, the little corn. After a while, we, we, we spend hours sitting on a tractor going back and forth through the fields, and we, we cultivate and we take care of the weeds. We, we, we spray sometimes, have to spray chemicals, and, and we hope for rain. You don't always get rain at the right time. This references the early rain. And the latter rain, we understand that even in the spiritual aspect, that the early rain was possibly the outpouring of the Spirit of God at the early days of the gospel in, in, in the times of the, the disciples. And the early rain came, the Spirit of God came and brought fruition from these fairly new Christians, essentially. And they had what they needed to grow in grace by the Spirit of God. No doubt there was multitudes that were saved and sanctified, baptized with the Spirit. But then there was the latter rain that would come. We read about in Joel and realize that that latter rain was for later in the history of the church. But for a farmer, he looks forward to that latter rain too. It does something for the corn crop that you've planted. Now it's just about time to pick. And you send your your young fellas out there, strong young fellas, and you hold these crates, and, you, and you, somebody picks and puts in the crate, and then you take them out to the pickup truck, and, and you end up with lots of corn, lots of sweet corn, and it's good. It's very good. Farmers understand waiting, but waiting is something that is almost a thing of the past. You know, they have this thing called fast food restaurants. I don't remember the first McDonald's, but it was around 1950-something, and I remember when it came to our community. And I don't know, what were they, 15 cents for a hamburger or something like that? Oh, those were the good old days. Of course, you didn't get paid very much anyway, so 15 cents was probably just about right. And it was fast. You didn't have to wait, because we don't like to wait. We want everything fast. And today, how many fast food places do we have? They have lines. They'll have, they'll have two lines that you can drive through some of these places. So it's twice as fast. Two people can be ordering at the same time. What a deal. And you hope it's good. Fast. Everything's got to be fast. The Bible speaks of one planting, one watering, and the Lord that gives the increase. God giveth the increase. We can never take credit for the planting or the watering. That was just something that we did. It's the Lord. It's God who gives the increase. It always falls to the God of the universe to give the increase. In every situation, spiritually or on earthly things like 
planting corn and bringing it to fruition. Long patience is referenced in this text. I wonder if there's more than one kind of patience. There's kind of a patience that is referenced here, waiting, anticipating. We were thinking about the Lord coming as soon as we heard about it. Some of you 70-some years ago. But we're still thinking about it, praying about it, realizing, yes, the Lord said in his word, it's still true. We believe it. We have based our whole life upon the fact that one day the Lord will take us out of this world and it will be good. It will be a good thing. But why are we so impatient? I have an idea. This is the saucepan that I borrowed from the kitchen. Well, I snuck it out. You see, back in the good old days, if you're a babysitter, or maybe if you're a mom or dad, and you needed to uh, warm up the bottle from the refrigerator, you put water in a saucepan, put it on the stove, okay? Heat up that, heat it up. You put the baby bottle in, in into this uh, uh, deal here, into the saucepan, and you warm it up. Okay, you warm it up, and then you don't know how warm it should be right away, so what you do is you, you take it out of the, the water and out of the saucepan, and, and you just put a little bit on right here, on your, on your, right, whatever this is, a wrist, okay? And you can tell because there's a real tender spot there. You can tell whether it's, it's the right temperature or not. Doesn't want to be too hot. You don't want to, you don't want to upset the baby, so you want it to be just about right. Did I get that right? I remember them being glass. This was plastic. You know, it took a little while to do that way. I don't know how long it took. I can't remember. But I remember it, it took a little time involved in, in waiting to get... And the baby wants to eat now. The baby was already geared for the fast days. Uh, they, they come that way, I guess. And, and so consequently, the, the, the milk isn't quite ready as fast as, as the baby would want it to until the microwave. The microwave changed everything. Now, I, I'm not even sure how you put the baby bottle in a microwave, but I guess you do. Some, or you warm up some water and then you put the bottle in there. At least you got to get the, and you still have to check it on your hand, on your wrist to make sure that it's the right temperature because it can't be too hot or too cold. Be patient, therefore. You see, that's a certain type of patience when you're talking about feeding your baby. There's another kind of patience. There's that, that preparation kind of patience that uh, the fire department uses. Now, a fireman, you don't want firemen to be very patient, do you? You want firemen to be more the impatient type. But we also want them to be patient enough to train and learn to do their trade of fighting fires. Because when the bell rings, we want them in the truck and on their way as fast as possible. They can't be patient then. They want lights and sirens all the way because they're not supposed to be patient. Patient in training, 
Preparation is important to be ready, to be ready to fight the fire. There's another uh, a group of people that, that we remember, some of us do, pilots. Pilots for Air Force B-52 bombers, right? Brother Richard, I saw you here somewhere sitting with the young people, of all things. Makes you feel young, doesn't it? You're very young. Brother Richard and I, we were stationed at Minot Air Force Base back in the dark ages. But they did have bombers, really. But you know one thing I've thought of just lately? I realized that the, the, the pilots, when they weren't flying, they would be doing something on the base. They had their blue six-passenger pickup trucks. And you know one thing that was different, what they did? When they backed, they backed their trucks into the places where they were going. If they were at the chapel, possibly, or they at the bowling alley, or at the grocery store, was it the PX, I guess? Uh, they were, they were at the chow hall. They backed their trucks in so that when, if they had to go, they could get in their trucks and get to the flight line fast and be ready to fire up their birds and get out of there. They had to be a little bit impatient. They had to forsake supper, breakfast, lunch, whatever, and get on, get on the business of the hour. Preparation's important. And that's a part of, that's a part of being patient. When we're preparing for something that hasn't happened yet, sometimes that's difficult because we don't want to wait forever. We, we live, we live right here in an impatient society. It's, it's just very impatient. People are always in a hurry. I'm in a hurry sometimes. And when you're in a hurry, you know what you do? Sometimes you forget something. You forget something because you were so in a hurry, you left something at home after you're driving down the street and you remembered what it was you forgot. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Verse 8 says, Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. James kind of re-emphasizes this fact a little bit differently here. He says, be also patient, but he says, establish your hearts. We don't use the word establish so much. We use establish, which basically means the same thing. And, and, and you want to establish your, your personal spiritual constitution. It, it has to be rooted and built up in the faith in our lives. It has to be based on the word of God. It has to be solid. Because when, when the winds of life blow, we don't want to fall over. We want to be able to endure as good soldiers of Jesus Christ at that time and, and not be knocked down by, by every wind that comes blowing by. And there's, there's a lot of it for sure in, in this day and age. Winds of, of change, you know. The good old days aren't good enough anymore for some folks. Because they want to change everything. We don't want to change the Word of God. We want to get into the Word of God and be rooted in the Word of God. This is solid stuff. Look around. Look to the old timers. They're standing firm. They're not moved or troubled by troubled times. They're patiently waiting as they always have waited for the coming of the Lord. And that day will come. But to establish 
establish or establish your hearts to make firm, to be firm about it, or to be confirmed in the faith. Some organizations, they have what they call confirmation. I think I know what it means now. The intent at least was you go through Bible classes and so forth, and after a couple of years, you can be officially confirmed into that organization or church. And I think what they mean by that is you're getting a solid foundation in the gospel, really. That's the whole purpose, that we be confirmed in the faith of our of the Word of God. We, we dig deep into the Word of God. We learn about the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us. We learn the principles of righteousness, and they stand us spiritually in good standing. So it's good to be established, established your establish your hearts. It's necessary, but you've got to be patient to do that. Spiritually patient, that is. There's a, there's a man in the Bible named Nehemiah. And his book is called Nehemiah, the book in the Old Testament. He taught us something about patience in Nehemiah. One day, he heard from a fellow named Hanani that uh, Jerusalem, his hometown, and the people of Jerusalem were in great distress. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The gates were burned. It was very troubling to Nehemiah. But Nehemiah did something unique. Maybe not that unique, but it was unique in that case. Nehemiah did not go to the king. There's possibility, possibly the king wasn't even home at that time. He may have been out of the country somewhere. And, and so, but Nehemiah did something that we can do to prepare. He prayed. It says in one verse, chapter one, verse four, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. This was serious. And mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And, and that tells his prayer. You can read his prayer. This man was serious about his prayer to God. He came before God in every direction necessary to get the heart of God and to bring his heart to God. And the, the calculations are that he basically had a prayer meeting for roughly four months. I'm sure that didn't mean he prayed constantly during those four months, but when he wasn't praying, his heart was praying. He was he had to get some nourishment, obviously, during that time. And he still did his job. His responsibilities. He didn't drop his responsibilities so that he could pray. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, if we were, well, I don't know, if we could work full time for the church or something, you know, that might be the fantasy. Uh, then everything will just be so much better. <laughs> well, guess what? There's people that work full-time for the church, and there are people that don't work full-time for the church, and we're all great people. God calls us for different responsibilities. Some people have to go out and make, make a living, financial living, you know, and support some things. 
support their wife and kids and their baby and their microwave and so forth. And, and that's a responsibility. We can't be irresponsible just because we think we're called to pray day and night. He prayed, no doubt, day and night, but he kept responsible, responsibility right where it should be. He prayed. So I guess the lesson is be patient about the right things. Be prepared while you're being patient and then pray. Earnestly pray. Finally, at the conclusion of this prayer, you, you ever have the situation where you, oh, I need to talk to so and so, but I just, I just can't talk to them. You know, I just don't want, what should I do? I need to talk to the boss about this or I need to, I need to do this or that with somebody. I just, and we hesitate, you know, we're so patient. We're so patient that we're not responsible enough to do anything. But in this case, the king saw that Nehemiah wasn't himself. And he says, Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? And that's what it all came out. And he told them what was wrong. And they made an arrangement for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem. He organized the operations to put the wall up and do what needed to be done in Jerusalem to bring respect back to God's location in Jerusalem. But he prayed first. You have to wait sometimes when you're praying. You have to just, just wait. Waiting and praying and seeking the Lord and, and uh, not, not getting an answer right away. Not hearing from God soon enough. How come this doesn't happen sooner? You ever tried to push down the situation before you should have? Yeah, sorry to say, I prayed we have. Or maybe I have. I know I have. We had tried to make it happen before it needs to happen. And then a couple months later, guess what? Surprise happens anyway without our help. God can teach us something from the Word of God. God can teach us something from Nehemiah. God can teach us to be patient. Not everybody's equally patient. Nobody's hounding you tonight about being patient if you don't feel very patient. That's okay. We pray. That's part of being patient, I guess, and it's a good thing to do. We're going to stand and sing a song, 630, and have an opportunity around the altars of prayer tonight to seek the Lord.